Welcome to NFP, the Non-Fungible Podcast, with your host, D. Klein. Hey, this is the Non-Fungible Podcast, NFP with D. Klein. Now proudly sponsored by the Koi Network, where you can mint atomic NFTs on-chain and get paid when your creations attract real traffic. Now you can find this podcast and you can dive deeper into blockchain trends on Cointelegraph magazine. Just go to www.cointelegraph.com slash magazine. Hey, Matt, welcome to NFP. I'm so glad we finally figured out a time to do this. Yeah, seriously, it's been a long time coming. We've had a few conversations before mm -hmm. this, but like this is the official recording of those conversations. So I'm pretty excited for this. That's right, that's right. We were comparing computer ages just a moment ago. And I was realizing my computer is <laughs> nine freaking years old. It's time to upgrade, I think. I mean, yeah. And especially <laughs> with the pump of NFTs this year, maybe you're more than due for that upgrade. I suppose I should use some of my earnings. Hundred <laughs> percent. Well, I mean, you, you go ahead. No, I was just about to say someone is just like talking about how they're they're making the mistake of pricing everything in ETH, and they're like, ah, forty four hundred dollars for a new MacBook, and but it's like only 0.5 ETH, so maybe get two of them. <laughs> that sounds <laughs> so worse to me, honestly. I'd rather spend cash <laughs> than ETH. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly. If you were to say to me, would you spend an ETH on a MacBook Pro or $5,000 on a MacBook Pro? I'm Canadian, so $4,000, right. $4,300, whatever it is. I'd rather spend cash. Yeah, I feel that too. <laughs> it's it's interesting. I, I find it's just human nature, I think, where we tend to uh, feel, well, maybe it's because of the nature of currency that we just feel like cash is like, whatever, just spend it. I don't know. Crypto is actually like more slippery. I think it's so easy to spend really? a lot okay, without so thinking you have about an it. Opposite feeling as me then. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. That's that's actually quite interesting that you have the opposite. Uh, it's just maybe maybe it's because I've been like more digital, more cashless for a while. Um, even mm. before crypto, like I was in Korea, and over there, like everything was card based. It was just here's a card, click clap tap it, um, mm -hmm. pay as you go. But then crypto is even easier than that. There's no fumbling around for loose change or mm -hmm. getting bills back. Um, so it's just so much more convenient. And maybe that's why I've just been- Interesting. Well, I mean, if you've been a collector for some time. I was looking at your old yeah. blog on Scent <laughs> and uh -huh. reading about some of your articles you had there. And so you were quite a writer too. You've done a lot of writing. You know I've, I'm a writer, right? Oh yeah, Cointelegraph, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. So I was reading some interesting bits here. You know, it's interesting seeing something that's kind of a flash from the flashback a little bit. You know, you had one called an ROI collector's guide to crypto art talking about how you made some mad gains on a Max Osiris piece. <laughs> I think it was 7,400% yeah. it said or something like that. Yeah, yeah. That's um, insane. Yeah, I was, <laughs> I mean, it just, it, it's still mind blowing to think that like the, I mean, again, it, it is art. I, I do mm -hmm. love what the space that we're in, but to have started out where like collecting on super rare, 
the average price back in the day was less than a hundred dollars. Sure. To have it go for several thousands. I mean, at the time that I was writing that article, they go almost in the the low five figures. It was just mind blowing. Mm-hmm. And I was, as soon as that happened, it was just, I want to share this. I want other people to like understand what's starting to happen over here. Like it's all the things that at that time, like all the big hopes and dreams and pipe dreams, they were starting to become a reality. And I think when I wrote that somewhere like, like September, 2020, August, yep. September, yep. something around yep. that time. It frame. says, uh, yeah, September, 2020. You're right. Yeah. And like that was things were starting to heat up. Like over mm-hmm. that summer, you definitely started to see some of the big collectors like Pablo Colborn come in, uh, yep. to name a few who were kind of on the regular, mm-hmm. paying like in the five figures for work. And then right around that September time frame, I think that's when uh Matt Kane's Bitcoin volatility came out on async, and that yep. was like the first like six figure sale. Yes. And it was like, what the fuck is going on? It was like so <laughs> massive at the time. Wasn't there a Trevor Jones, the Picasso bull or something like that? Wasn't that his around that time too? Am I wrong? Picasso bull. No, no, it was right. He was in the summer-ish. It was right around that time frame. And yeah, then yeah, Micah yeah. Johnson came out uh, like in October then. And he did another like massive six-figure sale. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just like a string of six-figure sales around that time. And we're like, wow, what is happening? You can start to feel the energy. <laughs> yeah. um, but that was that was nothing compared to then what happened back in February. But yeah, it's great to go back and read those articles. So it's, it, it is neat to read them and kind of, you kind of just delve right into the history there, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's neat. Yeah. I mean, how long have you actually been in the NFT scene? Most of your writing that I see is 2019 kind of time, 2020. Were you in it before yeah. then? Or was that just when you started doing the blogging and stuff? I don't know. You got some 2018s in here too. Yeah, of course. So it goes back to 2018. Mm-hmm. Sent, um, it pivoted into more of a blog-like site mm-hmm. in 2018, uh, and that's okay. when like I translated from my where I was writing on like a blog spot, blog spot blog. I just took my daily writing routine and translated it to Sent when we updated oh, our okay. product. Okay. Um, and just kind of like was dog fooding it using Sent at the time, like writing a post, adding a ETH bounty, attracting folks to comment on it, engage mm-hmm. with it, spark that conversation. And yeah, that's sort of why I was just writing all the time, just trying to keep the community alive, excited, and mm-hmm. try to set some sort of an example. But getting into NFTs for me, CryptoKitties, December, 2017. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, I think at the time on Scent, when it was still like a, a crypto Quora um, okay. play, Stephen Mackey, I think had like a, uh, a post or a question with a bounty attached to it, like talking about CryptoKitties before it launched. And then mm-hmm. like in the Twitter sphere at the time was talking about it. And just like, as soon as it popped out, I was like, okay, what is this NFT thing? What are these CryptoKitties? You can breed them. And then just sort of like the, the uh, like long-term thinking or like um, ideation on like, what, what, what does this mean? Like digital ownership, like, does it matter if a celebrity would own a crypto kitty? Would that make that particular crypto kitty more or less valuable than another crypto kitty? Like getting into like provenance and stuff like that. And it was right, just right. like super interesting to start mm-hmm. thinking about that. Um, but that was my first exposure and uh, yeah, first time. See, I didn't really get it NFTs. when crypto kitties when crypto kitties were new. I didn't really get it. I didn't get NFTs yet at that stage. Um, 
what do you mean by Git? I'm curious about that. Was it just like cats on the blockchain? Like this is so dumb or like, I'm curious about that. I guess I didn't see it now. It's like this, it's artistic expression, like, you know, on a broad scale. Whereas at that time it almost felt like it was just kind of this experiment. You know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. And I didn't see the value in it. I just saw mm -hmm. that as, you know, it's just somebody trying something and people like it and fine, right? And then I do recall people buying them for, you know, a good amount of money. And mm -hmm. I remember just being annoyed that the Ethereum blockchain was congested. Because I think oh it was costing God, yeah. me like 50 cents or something to you know send something <laughs> or whatever it was. you know. Several was like, dollars. <laughs> and I had to wait like a minute for the transaction you know or whatever it was brutal and there was no like speed up your transaction either <laughs> right, so right. people no. were waiting hours and hours on stuck transactions <laughs> not breeding their kitties not being able to sell it yeah yeah it, it pretty brutal. much bought the blockchain to a halt it was it did. It, it really yeah. did it did yeah it just was not ready for prime time yet i don't know what do you think i mean now it's still getting hammered right like it's like it can't catch up to its own popularity Ethereum, I guess, I mean. but totally. But it's it's never been as bad as it was then. I, mm. Granted, like when it does get congested now, it's so expensive. It really yeah, is. But then it, it was non-functional. <laughs> it was like not working. <laughs> it was not working. It didn't matter like what you paid. It just and everyone was like querying like how what what's happening? Like what do I increase on the gas? Like what is way? What the <laughs> like yeah. that was like um uh forcing function for a lot of people to really dive into like the nuts and bolts i think at that time mm -hmm. just there wasn't such a deep understanding amongst like non-technical folks i think and crypto kitties was yeah it kind of pushed a lot more folks i think myself included a little bit deeper down that rabbit hole uh, understanding a little bit of the complexity on the technical end of, like what makes ethereum blockchain tick so that was kind of cool yeah See, I didn't really get it until I learned about Robness and Max Osiris. And then I was like, oh, okay, now I get it. In terms of it mm. being something that had a genuine like uh, value to it, that was not just a monetary value, but like a cultural value and mm -hmm. something that could actually be a means by which fine art could be mm -hmm. transmitted, you know, or seen or consumed. I think we're similar there. Like, although I was, I got into CryptoKitties at that very beginning and did a little breeding, selling early and just like, wow, I could sell these digital cats and, and make money. People are <laughs> buying and transacting there. That was like an interesting light bulb, but it wasn't the brightest. Mm -hmm. And then after that, there was a slew of these like imitator projects or like scanning. Wasn't there a Tron NFT dogs projects? or something like that after CryptoKitties? I forget probably right i remember it was but like it, oh yeah tron's gonna explode because of this collectible thing and it <laughs> never took off and it really wasn't until like the latter part of 2018 on scent when a bunch of the the artists had like started popping onto scent and we're talking about nfts and art and mm -hmm. how they were minting their art and like super rare and known origin and then that's when i got reinterested because uh -huh. at the time I think it was the artist M. Libti uh, from Croatia. He had been publishing posts featuring his um, shadows um, about his time in Spain, like studying abroad, working abroad, and just feeling alienated as a foreigner 
and he just kind of created his his art from there and this one particular piece playing color uh like the dollar sign c-o-l-r from cryptovoxels like the old in-game currency that they had so that you could add color into cryptovoxels mm. he combined like the voxel cube color aesthetic with his shadow series and it just like there's this one piece that just immediately caught my eye i'm like what is this this is amazing beautiful powerful like i had an experience with it and that is when i did down the crypto art rabbit hole and found folks like max osiris miss Simpson, and cody x copy hackatow all those folks back yep, in the yep. day you know yep. skinny right mm -hmm. um connie digital you know and you were buying their yeah. pieces for like 200 bucks or whatever. Way less than that. Like this is, <laughs> yeah. this is under a hundred dollars, man, right. for, for all of that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And then Fun. like still, I, I picked up a couple of Max Osiris pieces on Rarible before it was like mm -hmm. really, really huge, but mm -hmm. yeah, no, I'm not as early as you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it was a wild and crazy time. Yeah, <laughs> like we were just talking about prices earlier, but like from that 2018 to 2019 time, like everything was still so cheap. Yeah, and like in 2019, like around that the end of the summer, early fall, I think it was uh, uh, Conlin, and it, he was got into a bidding war over Matt Cain's piece. Oh. I forget what the the title was. It was like this Frankenstein inspired work, and at that time, like it broke a thousand dollars for. Yeah. The final purchase price and it was like wow six figures like that that was an all-time high <laughs> yep and then like a, a month or so later uh a lot of money and javinci came out with their saint nakamoto piece um myself cody robness got into a bidding war over that <laughs> with a couple other folks and like that pushed it to like um like over fifteen hundred dollars another all-time high and then it went <laughs> on to like whale shark jumping in splashing into the scene like a few weeks later <laughs> And then pushing things into the five figures and then it was sort of like off to the races to what we were talking about before. Yeah. I mean, could you imagine at that time like Jimmy Fallon would be tweeting about his bored ape? You know what I mean? Like Or Zuckerberg so weird, right? talking about the metaverse and renaming yeah. Facebook to That's be pretty like, creepy, man, that stuff. <laughs> very creepy. Very creepy. I mean, for folks that have been in it, like I, I can like a lot of people are like upset, angry, fearful about like the co-opting of everything mm. that's happened up until this point. Yeah. But on the flip side of the coin, it's like, Jesus, like, can we think of any better way to like popularize this sort of term? Like turn that's people's true. attention towards what we've been doing for like a short amount of time relative to everything else. Like, mm -hmm. no, like this is it's bonkers in a great way, in a weird way, in a terrible way, and in all the ways. I think part of it is, you know, you like being on the inside of a small little kind of cool group. And then when someone along, like, come that, like, that comes along and goes, I'm going to make this big and popular for everybody. There's mm -hmm. a loss there, right? For the people that kind of discovered it early, in a sense. Yeah. I mean, it's, there's a, a massive game, but you're right. Of course. I mean, yeah. that, that earliness, that small, tight-knit scene, like, it gets pulled. Uh, a lot of, a lot of people can't, can't bear it. So they uh -huh. dip out or they go somewhere else. But that's sort of the beauty of the space where we are, right? Uh -huh. So like, what, what is like an analog corollary, like historical corollary, like Height Ashbury back in like the 60s, right? Like the, this movement that attracted so many free spirits and creators who are like in this very like 
small geographical place in Northern California, like doing amazing things. And then gentrification happened shortly mm-hmm. after. And a lot of the creators were pushed out. Where did they go? Like they physically had to relocate. Right now, like these early creators, maybe they don't feel part of the scene as it was before, but they can hop over to a different part of the metaverse. Like mm-hmm. Hick at Noon, I think, Hen, uh, a few months ago when we saw that interesting creative explosion of artists going back over there and sort of recreating a little bit of the magic that a lot of the people in the early space felt like back right. on super rare and known origin creating having collectors being excited again like that like we can pick up as a group and go somewhere else like trivially easily it's pretty amazing when you think about it like that and the loss isn't as big as it Uh used to be Uh so yeah there's that yeah i mean i think what uh, would you want it to not grow in popularity you know what i mean like that that doesn't really make sense either right so Mm -hmm. yeah i mean totally it's a trade-off, I suppose. You know, we haven't really talked about it yet, but I mean, you are deeply entrenched in the whole nifty gateway scene. I mean, when we talk about what you're doing there, you talk about being a, what do you call it? A producer, an NFT producer? What's the title? Yeah, producer is like what we refer to ourselves as. We help produce the collections that are released on nifty gateway. Um, I've been messing around with calling myself an NFT whisperer amongst other things. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's sort of like a catch-all term. We do, we do a little bit of everything depending on the artists that we're, we're working with and all mm-hmm. that good stuff. So it's been a trip joined back in end of January this year. So like, okay. <laughs> right before all the madness kind of started. Good timing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to, to, be, to get into the, that sort of position, was that just because you were such an NFT aficionado and you'd become basically someone who was just very knowledgeable about it from that side? Is that what got you into Nifty in that position or what happened? Um, well, to rewind a little bit further before actually joining, because um, I was at Scent since uh, like January, February of 2018. Uh-huh. I, joined, I was an, a user initially. It went on mainnet in August of 2017. I came on like October, November as a user, got super inspired and just wrote like a hundred different blog posts inspired yeah, about You know what's funny? It's that's the exact same time I started writing a gajillion blog posts on Steam. <laughs> yes. Oh the exact my God. same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was incredible. Um, but yeah, the, so was writing all this, jumped onto the team there and was like super passionate about that. Fast forward, um, after I had joined the team and we're getting into like the, the mid part of 2020, mm-hmm. like the project, the team uh, for a lot of different reasons, reasons that sent kind of like fell off the rails. And mm-hmm. it was a time for me, I was just kind of doing some self-reflecting. My, my wife was pregnant. She was expecting in September and it was just like, okay, it looks like I need to look around and find something a little bit steadier. Right. right. And what I was most passionate about at that time and still to this day was the art side of everything um, within the community. It's the artists that I was talking to recording podcasts with pushing out more and more content for um, trying to orient the product around like that was it. So spoke with all the platforms and marketplaces out there. Um, super rare, known origin, um, open C, of course, nifty gateway, um, and just an async art, like did the, the interview process. Everyone's great. Uh, but nifty gateway just stood out. Um, mm-hmm. everyone on the team was so, so stoked on the art, 
on the whole scene. Everyone was using the product like like they loved it, and they were just uh, iterating as they were producing, like pushing out everything to prod and then reiterating re again. Like it was exactly what I was looking for. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. It felt like a great, great small tight-knit family at the time. So that's that's the team that I picked, um, and I had to actually like finish the whole interview process around October, November. But since I had to relocate the whole family from uh south korea to the states took a little right. bit of time some paperwork and all that good stuff had my wife had had the baby um but then yeah came over in january and yeah the team was like seven at the time and we grew to like nearly 60 right now wow okay yeah that's huge growth yeah yeah Hey, in cooperation with the Coin Network, I am presenting Atomic Zombies by D. Klein. You can find these at atomiczombies.io. We've got 10,000 zombies that will eventually be available, each with their own set of random generative characteristics. You can watch your zombies' characteristics unlock, emerge, and evolve as they receive more attention online powered by the Coin Network and proof of real traffic. Check it out at atomiczombies.io. And in terms of like the day to day, just working with artists, um, sometimes like jumping on the phone, on the horn, conceptualizing what they're going to be putting together, um, riffing on ideas, adding criticism, um, letting them know this is super dope and dank. Uh, thinking about the release <laughs> that mechanisms. That reminds me of your ROI. You were saying one of the things you judged <laughs> art by was its dankness. A hundred percent. And like a lot of what I do over here is sort of like helping artists put together collections that I want to collect. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, yeah. Very selfishly. <laughs> That's then, cool. Yeah, getting it together and coding it. And I mean, up until this point, like I've helped artists uh, generate nearly $50 million in revenue off their, That's pretty their good. art this year. That's amazing. Yeah. So wow. it's, it's pretty cool. So helping so, artists- I mean, when you're doing fun. that, are, you know, and you're, you're going, let, I'm trying to picture what's your day like when you're doing this. You're, so you're, you're talking to the artist and you're like, hey, maybe you could try this or this. Or like, talk to me about that process. What's involved? A lot of it's just like jumping on a call like this, mm -hmm. riffing. Yeah. Um, yep. And again, it depends on the artist, like what stage they're at with their collection. Mm -hmm. um, it could be just talking about what they've done, where their mind's at, um, bouncing ideas until something sticks. And it's usually never one conversation. Like it, it takes multiple because it's like, okay, you, you'll finish a conversation. It seems like you've made progress on an idea and you're like, hold on, let, let, let's sit with it. Uh, let's come back in a couple of days or next week and see if that idea still has us jazzed. Because a lot of times you think you get out an idea and this applies like to art as well as to like startups and a lot of other like creative uh, areas and you'll come back and revisit and you're like, ah, actually, it's not that exciting. Your mind has gone <laughs> elsewhere. Mm -hmm. So it's really just trying to find that idea that like both sides can't forget uh, and then getting the artist to the actual like creation process, putting out some mm -hmm. works in progress, getting the finished art. Uh, and then it just, yeah, making sure through the the life cycle of that short creative journey to the collection that you're like all there for the artist as much as they need you or as little as they need you um, so that you can get the work, encode it up, get it out there, priced accordingly, get everyone like signed off and everything. Because 
But the collections on Nifty Gateway, I think a lot of people lose sight of how much the artist has a say in, which is everything. Mm. Like uh -huh. the the art isn't just the final works. It's how the collection's composed. It's the design. It's the release mechanism. It's the price. It's the timing. It's the duration. It's who they want to collect it. It's all of that all right. together. It's, it's super intense. Um, and just to be able to help them put that together every single day, jumping on different calls, putting together collaborations and all this cool stuff. It's that would be yeah, really gratifying. Cool. I think that'd be a really gratifying job. It absolutely is. Like I have to pinch myself every day. <laughs> like last week I was, uh, on a discord stage with ice cube and Trevor Jones, right. yeah, okay. like That's wild. chatting it up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Like now, like knees deep in putting together this absolutely bonkers project with Pac and like the whole dev team and a whole bunch of other folks uh, for uh -huh. next week, right? It's like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> like, is this real life? Um, it's, it's pretty insane. surreal. It's um, pretty surreal. Yeah. Wow. Huh. Yeah. Wild. So I'm going to put myself in a vulnerable place here. Okay. Do it. So let's say, okay, I know you, you've, you've bought my art and I appreciate that. Okay. Yeah. So let's say I'm talking to you about like, and you, you're giving me guidance, you know, with my art, you know, and saying, mm -hmm. okay, looking at my art and saying, okay, what would I do to, you know, make it successful on, on the nifty platform as an artist, what would you recommend to me? So I would throw this out to you is like, well, what, what do you want to include in, in a collection? If we release something on nifty gateway, like I've collected, um, your Kanye piece, your mm -hmm. collaboration with Sabbath. Uh, I love, love, love your your like line art depictions of famous figures. Uh, I think mm -hmm. that's great. But like, what do you see in a collection, right? I know you put out the zombie PFP collection recently. <laughs> yeah. But like on Nifty, obviously it's a little bit different. So sure. what would you do? What would you put there? Me personally, what would I do? Mm -hmm. yeah. There's a few possibilities. I don't know if I should say them here. I might have to edit this out. <laughs> One of them is to do beautiful zombies of people, like celebrities, mm. like zombies mm -hmm. that have been beautified, okay? Mm -hmm. And you've seen that stuff I've done where I, I try to take something that's really kind of morbid and make it like pretty, you know? Yeah. Um, another possibility is, you know, that cube pop style that I do. Yes. And doing that with, there's a f so many possibilities, right? I was, you know, I've often thought it would be like cool to do it with like, some pop music icons. I've done it of a couple, mm -hmm. like Kanye, right? Mm -hmm. um, because there's just such a wealth of, people love recognizable figures, right? Yeah. Um, and I just love drawing those. They're just fun to create, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but also like maybe just like great artists, you know, portraits of great artists. Um, it could be portraits of um, musical People it could be portraits of athletes, you know, and of course I've done some of those as well mm -hmm. in the mm -hmm. past. Um, and I just, I don't know. I never get tired of drawing faces. You know, mm -hmm. my concern with it is maybe you can answer this for me. Okay. So let's say I make something that's some famous person, Kanye or whatever. And mm -hmm. I make, can I make like a thousand of those legally that are of this celebrity? Like, is that even allowed? Isn't that a violation of rights to publicity or whatever, that kind of stuff? of creating your interpretation of Kanye's image as a portrait. Right. Is there an issue there legally? I don't even know. No, I mean, again, Kanye could, for whatever reason, try to like say that it's an infringement 
and he may issue or his team may issue like a DMCA takedown. That very rarely ever happens. Well, particularly, only, it wouldn't be an exact likeness of him. It would be my yeah. interpretation of him. Oh, for sure. Like right? you'd be, it's something that we would for sure put out if you wanted to get that out there again, like whether it's Kanye at the end, since you already did that in KO or someone else, mm -hmm. um, that's a whole nother discussion, but mm -hmm. no, we would totally roll with that. Um, mm -hmm. and I also really like... like the idea of taking just beautiful. I love drawing beautiful faces of women. Okay. Mm -hmm. And doing them, but doing them with like the zombie thing or with the cube pop thing. <laughs> I think beautiful zombie women would be cool. I always enjoy drawing those. They make me laugh. Yeah, you know, your cube pop work is just again. I I can call it up in my mind's eye right away. Personally, I'd love to see something like self refer self referential about mm -hmm. our movement. Like I can totally mm -hmm. see Robness's face making its way his way mm -hmm. into your work. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like there there actually isn't enough of that yet at all. Um, That's a to fair kind of point. Memorialize this. Um, yeah. I mean, all these other folks they have had their shine, the time to shine in every walk of life but this is sort of our time and there's some like monumental figures in the space that probably would deserve to be memorialized so that's actually what i've been that sort would of be waiting pretty cool for you actually that'd be pretty to cool put together well you know we'll, we'll talk about it because that would i'd really enjoy doing that actually there's yeah. stuff that there, i kind of keep go. on the side in reserve right because i'm yeah. okay where am i going to have this you know released right mm-hmm you know, so for example, right now I do have those atomic zombies. And so I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, I don't want to compete against myself with a whole other <laughs> zombie collection. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. So, yeah, now that, that would be a fun direction to go with that. There, there's yeah, so it, many great people too. Exactly. So then like in this point in the conversation, it would be like, okay, well, let, let's create a list. Let's see where we go. Let's try yeah, to yeah, yeah. see what we get jazzed on, put the pieces out there, and then we can edit down from there into mm -hmm. like a tighter collection and then we can think about like well who do you want to collect this how many people do you want to be super limited anything like that and then you start applying the release mechanisms and then the very very last thing is always price that never right. comes first it's always right. last mm -hmm. when i work with artists so that's it now i'm <laughs> curious what have you seen with that because i personally have seen when gas fees have gone up it's a mm -hmm. lot tougher to sell stuff that's like modestly priced so Nifty Gateway is like an interesting beast. Uh, first of all, like the collector base is pretty differentiated from the rest of like right. the on-chain NFT art, crypto art space, right? Um, mm -hmm. There's a huge portion that are just accustomed to buying on Nifty Gateway, not having to worry about any of these gas fees or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And when like gas fees go up or ETH pops or whatever, like we see a huge surge. And mm -hmm. even like when things are sort of like, going sideways our collector base is pretty down to come out and participate so like we're obviously not immune to like if the whole space were to slow down like around end of may june after a whole that initial wave of like celebrity drops yep. in the space and all that mm -hmm. things started to go go pretty slow for everyone mm -hmm. we were everything slowed down on our end too but part of that was also like recalibrating like, okay, we don't need to do so many drops every single day. We don't need to experiment so much anymore since we've already tried out like athletes, like weird, uh, like e-gaming 
mm-hmm. projects, like non-art. Ooh, e-gaming and athletes music. would be kind of cool to do too. Oh, yes. Actually, that's kind of an interesting area. It, like, it yeah, be. very, very tangential to what we're doing, uh-huh. um, related in a certain interesting way. Mm-hmm. Um, probably we'll meet again. <laughs> like, our paths will crisscross as crypto and gaming become more and more intertwined, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting, yeah. though. Yeah. I mean... What do you say for the people who kind of are like, well, I don't know, Nifty Gateway, though, you know, you don't really have the full custody of your NFT like you do on some other platforms. What's what's your answer to that? You can take your Nifties off Nifty Gateway whenever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go sell that over on OpenSea uh, and then like the artist will get the royalties and don't have to worry about that. Mm-hmm. But it's also like a really safe option. No one like no one's like Nifty Gateway has never been hacked. Mm-hmm. in a way that all the nifties disappear right right it's a very safe place for people to back up some of their more precious nfts right just mm-hmm. like coinbase and gemini offer folks who don't right. want to just hold on to and, and manage their crypto assets on a like on a trust wallet or metamask right it's another secure place for them to take advantage of if they want right mm-hmm. it's an option one option of many, uh, and it's a really secure one at the end of the mm-hmm. day. And it's always good to kind of think about how you can diversify uh, in right. this space, I think. So you don't put too many eggs in one basket, create more of a liability than you need, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. Now, are the images on Nifty Gateway, are they backed up on IPFS or how are they backed up? Yeah, we do IPFS hashing for the image assets. We also do self-hosting. So there's like a fail safe as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, there's certain projects make use of the, the Arweave, uh, permaweb as well. We, we kind of mix it up and are experimenting so, with different solutions. Okay. If I, if I'm as an artist, if I'm on Nifty, mm-hmm. I'm not then using that same MetaMask wallet that I would be using for my other art though. Correct. Right. So we do all the encoding on right. behalf of the artist and mm-hmm. we just make sure in the metadata the artist's attribution is correctly set. And then, for example, when a new collection is minted, we make mm-hmm. sure that the collect the smart contract ad- address is linked and associated with the artist's OpenSea profile. Right, and that's okay. how we link the royalty structure to make sure that whether the Nifty is uh, bought or sold on Nifty Gateway, the secondary royalties flow back to the artist. Oh, okay, the so address. even if it is resold on OpenSea, that still gets back to that creator. Hundred percent, yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So, exactly. what type of token is it using then? Nifty? Is it a seven twenty one or ERC seven twenty one? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thought so. Interesting. Yeah. So there's been a lot of work on the the mass minting function over here. So, like the the cost per mint is probably the lowest in the space. Mm-hmm. Um, again, like when there's this like I spent about five hundred dollars among... this weekend minting. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like the the minting fees we cover on behalf of the artist, so they don't need to worry about that. Oh, okay, and again, nice, some, nice. Some of these collections have hundreds of nifties. Like for, mm. for Trevor Jones, for example, the open edition that he minted with, for Man versus Machine with Ice Cube mm. went to like 500, 508 editions, and like wow, in a matter of like less than a minute, they were minted. Done. Right, right. Not needing to wor- worry about that. In the main collection, there were. A little over a hundred pre-minted uh, NFTs in that, mm-hmm. and again, like they don't need to worry about that. Everything's set up ahead of time, and it just 
allowing the artist to create and not have to worry about that extra bit. And again, all the associations are carried out after the fact, again, making sure that everything's linked with the artists and heading forward. I mean, there's no limitation, for example, to prevent an artist from having a tool that would let them use their MetaMask their, that they always use to like sign and mint their work on chain to then like retroactively sign the pieces that have been minted under the gateway. Uh, it's okay. sort of like an autograph on top of it. So okay. that same artist signature could be layered on top. So you could kind of reverse engineer the provenance into it or in terms of the, uh, the creator getting their Exactly. And especially since there. there's that association with their OpenSea profile to begin with, that makes right. it all the more like valid and easy to, to prove and verify. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Huh. So I'm guessing a lot of artists are listening to this and are going, okay, so how do I get myself onto... Now, of course, Nifty Gateway's kind of opened up recently a little bit more, right? Like you have the ability now, if I'm correct, on Nifty Gateway, there's verified drops and there's curated drops, right? That's kind of yeah, a new exactly. thing, isn't it? Can you explain this new thing that you're doing now with the verified drops? Yeah. So it makes more sense when you like understand the, the curated drops are mm -hmm. like the curated schedule is very selective. We try to only feature one artist, maybe at max, like two artists on any given drop day. Right. So it's very limited, but you know, there's so many, there's just like a surfeit of amazingly talented artists in the space. So we're like, how can we open what Nifty Gateway has, our collector base, the tools that other on-chain marketplaces just don't have because they're on-chain, right? The yep. limitations there. Not through any fault of their own. They're amazing platforms and projects, but just another, how can we open this tool set up into the artists? So we're just creating essentially a whole new calendar where everyone on the creative team essentially is able to add artists to this verified calendar where like, there's no restriction in terms of like, okay, you need to wait in line until we get right. through like the bulk of this curated schedule. It's like, well, whenever you want to kind of get on, as long as there's an open day, there's an open day on the verified schedule, we can set something up. Um, there's a little bit less like marketing promotion that we provide. Um, obviously there's a little bit less of like the, the consultation, mm -hmm. the, the like producer involvement as well. Uh, we try to get you started, get you on your way uh, mm -hmm. to, mint a collection a couple pieces whatever you would like to do um start building your collector base on nifty gateway and, and going from there huh that's cool so that basically it, you're just saying by being verified you're saying we know this is a legitimate artist this is not somebody ripping off somebody's art and the buyer can trust that that artist is a verified artist yeah exactly right so that offers another path then for artists who want to be on nifty gateway and is that a, is there an application process for that verification at this point a lot of it's up to the discretion of the producers okay so like yeah like having artists reach out wanting to go to nifty and then having the producer be like well curated is like literally booked out until april may of mm -hmm. 2022 <laughs> yep. but like we have curated or verified now so like mm -hmm. what what would you like to create and kind of getting into that same process that we would with curated artists and just trying to say they hey okay well we don't need to kind of wait for this if you're ready we can get this on the books now or if you want a little bit of time to make sure that you're ready for this let's make it happen whenever you're ready we can get that scheduled uh you'll send over the art just like the curated artists do we encode it free we get everything locked and loaded and boom off to the races 
sounds to me like it would be a lot less stress on the artist. It's just the artist can focus on the art more. Exactly. Yeah. And then you can think about how to use the tools and again, like experiment with the collection uh, form factor that Nifty Gateway just makes very like trivially easy for the artist to put together. It's possible mm -hmm. in other projects or other marketplaces. I know some artists do something similar like Makerspace, for example. Right. It's just they don't need to do the minting fees. It's a little bit more user-friendly in the fact that they don't need to actually put everything together and accidentally mint something incorrectly or whatever. So, yeah. so how is that working that there isn't a minting fee? What's the process involved there that there isn't one or that the artist isn't paying one? We're just, I mean, that's something that Nifty as a platform is is eating, right? There okay. are, of course, platform fees on the primary and secondary um, where we do, like that's where a lot of the profit does come from. And mm -hmm. it just doesn't make sense to add another fee on top of that for the artist mm -hmm. at that point. So yeah, it's, it's nice. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's cool. Now, of course, you also are a podcast host. Yep, yep. Together with uh, my main dude, Rizzle, we have the Matthew and Rizzle show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For like two and a half years or something like that. At this point, it's crazy. Isn't that funny? That's that's. It's amazing when you think back on it and go, okay, well, how many shows have you guys done by now? Must be a lot. Uh, 150 ish. I'm not 100 percent sure. We okay, haven't yeah, counted yeah, yeah. in a long time. Kind of a once a week kind of pattern sort of thing yep every yeah, wednesday yeah. we release it like 8 p.m eastern live listening party in the token smart discord discord yeah, yeah. Slash nft <laughs> right on did you want to say that again there was a bit of background noise when you said that oh a discord.gg slash nft token smart nice. discord so yeah. tell me about one of your favorite guests people should listen to your, which recommend recommend me an episode? <laughs> wow. Um, Sorry, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit. God, we've we've had everyone, but like Jim McNellis always makes for a good guest. Um, he's been on multiple times, okay. like pre Avastar's launch, post Avastar's launch. Eric Snowfro, um, mm. Art Blocks creator, uh, multiple guest appearances. He's just like a fount of knowledge um, mm -hmm. every time. It's just so interesting to get his takes on the space, what he's collecting. Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to artists like Max Osiris, like still, I think back to the conversation that we had way back in the day, um, like it's just great talking to him as a person, being able to, to share his insights and who he is as a, a creator and an artist. Same thing with like Miss Ella Simpson. Mm -hmm. um, it's great to hear her, Sarah Zucker. Um, God, Sarah Zucker, I have not had her on my show yet. You need to, Sarah mm -hmm. Shell. Um, mm -hmm. She's she is such an incredible human being, um, mm. and she's so thoughtful about her craft um, as an artist and as a collector. Um, she was one of the first people I bought a piece from. Actually, when I first got into Rarible, I bought one of hers. Oh, that's awesome! Which yeah, yeah, yeah. which piece? Oh, it's I can picture it. It's a spinning kind of globe type piece, and okay. I, I can't tell you what the name of it is. Uh, I, I don't okay. know. I don't have it for sale. It's just, you know, for sure. It's one I'll keep longer term. I think at one point I did have it for sale, and I was like, eh, I think I'm going to take this off <laughs> the market. <laughs> you probably have a lot like that, right? Where you're like, no, I'm not selling this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At this point, there's no need to to sell anymore. Like, um, right. Like it was a, for a long time. For a couple of years, it was definitely like just trying to prove out 
like what we're doing here and show mm -hmm. other people by example that hey you can actually sell things and you can help improve artist markets and help raise floors and help help them hit new all-time highs and attract more people here right by mm -hmm. by selling even if you're not like hitting like the highest of the all-time highs mm -hmm. um but like through all those sales like i'm i'm more than well off for like for i think my life i don't know you're not pressed to sell them at all and i don't want to to sell like anymore right now everything i want in my collection everything i just kind of like want to hold on to and, and remember at this mm. point how do you consume your art are you looking at it on your phone or do you have like a you know your own little digital gallery set up in your home or what yeah everything's still on the phone or the laptop at this mm -hmm. point um a lot of it i mean and twitter right the, the mm -hmm. daily good morning posts is like a great reflection on on like the art collection like what what feels like in vibe with today and right. then like twitter backgrounds is like another space to kind of like have it and even my profile picture um mm -hmm. by max osiris uh, like it's art that max created on super rare that i've just repurposed for my profile picture it's just kind of perfect and yep. being able to see that every day is just like cool experience it's like the modern wall um just throughout this digital space of ours yeah, there's a pride in having those. Hey, like I have one of his called Can You Touch It? And I'm just I'm just proud to own it. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Yeah, it's cool. It was funny, a couple of days ago, you had a, a good morning tweet that just said, reality eats NFT project roadmaps for <laughs> breakfast. <laughs> yeah. Was there a particular roadmap you were thinking of that had failed when you said that or... Oh, no, no. General. So the, that morning uh, with Rizzo, I had recorded a podcast with the co-creators of the Society of the Hourglass okay. NFT PFP project that's pre-launch right now. Mm -hmm. And just we had been talking throughout the course of the conversation and they have like an amazing roadmap and all this good stuff. And I just wanted to toss it out there. It's like <laughs> reality eats roadmaps for breakfast. Like, what are you going to do like for the first play when you launch? And then like, how are you going to react to that and like respond? Because I mean, you know, reality, <laughs> like I just said, destroys plans. Well, there's, I think a lot of people come into the space with their PFP, whatever thing and think, oh yeah, we're just going to make a killing here. And there's a lot, a lot, a lot of these projects happening now. Yeah, like, it's like how the, the ICO yourself, boom, right? Yes, of NFTs. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's interesting, right? And again, there, there's never like an all good or an all bad. And with these, with this um like tidal wave of PFB projects, you're seeing like sometimes incremental mm -hmm. innovations. Um, mm -hmm taking inspiration from other projects, tweaking it, right? But then sometimes you see like pretty massive steps forward, like how to treat commercial rights when it comes to these projects. And then some of the like legal unlocks that can happen from that. Like, mm -hmm. for example, there's like DAOs are another like catchphrase and term that's sort of starting to explode and become its own like mini like bull market or whatever, right? Mm -hmm, Everything's mm -hmm. a DAO, DAOify all the things. Yes. But there's like real like legal issues yeah. for participants, uh, for members, especially when you add like revenue sharing and distribution and things like that. Like it gets hairy mm -hmm. really 
quick, actually. And there's a lot of liability there. So one of the legal unlocks to allow DAO participants to earn uh, and uh, share in the revenue that a DAO generates would be to license their commercial, the NFTs that they have and the NFT PFPs that they have that confer the commercial rights to their owners and say that, hey, mm-hmm. I'll join this DAO and I'm licensing my NFT PFP to the DAO in a way that allows percentages of revenue to be sent back to the IP licensees, right? And it's like, wow, that's kind of fucking cool when you start yeah. thinking about that. And then like, if you create like a movie or like a book and the the entity behind it is a DAO, in the credits, you're gonna see like profile pictures of fucking apes and cryptodes, <laughs> you know what I mean? And there's in numbers. It is happening. It is yeah. happening as we speak. But yeah, that's cool. like this explosion allows this kind of like interesting digital legal unlock. It's just one example of many, but that's right. what I always look for in these sorts of things. Things that can stay on and linger on longer than like the underlying mechanism that creates that boom, which in this case, the PFPs. I do find it interesting when you look at like kind of the legal side of it and you look at like, for example, there was that infrastructure bill that was put a little while ago. And then there's like, okay, there's a lot of vague stuff in here. <laughs> that could be interpreted in a really harmful way, right? So I don't know, I haven't read up on that in terms of how that applies to NFTs. I know it applies to like node operators and, you know, miners and stuff like that, or there's the potential for it to apply to them. Do you see anything that's come up regulatory wise that might be a big problem for NFTs with that stuff? Yeah, not a lawyer. And yeah, neither am I. <laughs> I think I think just like being in the, the U.S. and like doing business in the U.S. sort of becoming like a, a pretty massive liability right. for folks in crypto. Mm-hmm. I, I'd probably say the U.S. itself is Move that Portugal, big right? Big risk. <laughs> yeah, figure out like how to diversify your citizenship or yeah, your residency <laughs> essentially. That's too bad, though, right? Like the fact that you're saying. For an American to have um, economic success, they need to move elsewhere, potentially. Well, I mean, it's been like that for a while. Like, this may be controversial to say, but I mean, in terms of how I've lived my life, like, I didn't graduate from university in the States. I graduated from university in Korea. Like, Mm -hmm. I left the States after my first year of university in the States. I was just like, this is not it. (laughs) Like, the path to success, there, there really isn't one that's open to a lot of people anymore in the States. Um, mm. So I just hopped away and yeah, made a new life elsewhere and found out that, hey, there's actually a lot of opportunities outside of the States, probably more so more opportunities than exist in the States today. Um, I'm just lucky and blessed to be, have been able to like be able to hop back into the States sure. now, into tech, just by virtue of everything that I did for myself uh, outside of the States. I guess my point is just, you know, when I think of any country in the world that would embrace innovation, you know, uh, drive for wealth, profit motive, mm-hmm. it should be America. Should be, right? It should be. Yeah. But again, like, I don't know. There, there need, there's, over time, weeds grow, right? Mm-hmm. And if you don't pick the weeds, they start to strangle the natural life that is in the area. 
And I think you can lo- you can look at a lot of institutions, a lot of policy, laws, and regulation. Mm-hmm. Not all of them, but some of them as weeds. And if you're not actively po- like weeding out the bad aspects, you're going to get stuck with something very, very different than when you look back like 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years, right? Mm-hmm. When there's this amazing opportunity that was abounding for everyone, but now it's that opportunity is being strangled <laughs> by all these different factors that like not one by itself is solely responsible. And when it's not one thing that is causing like this choking of opportunity, it's really hard to figure out a solution to diagnose this whole big underlying problem because no one is able to handle nuance <laughs> anymore. Right, right. Everything is like a sound bite. Everything is like one thing, like follow this and this is the, the magical answer. And right. when you have a society that can't deal with nuance, it's like, <laughs> that sucks, but you got to look elsewhere. Yeah. Well, the complicating be factor being there's lots of other countries around the world that are saying, hey, come here. We'll support yeah. you here and we'll let you be innovative and we'll let you experiment and we'll let you try things. And, you know, yep. so it's exactly. like, okay, goodbye. We're going elsewhere. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's not funny. Maybe it's a little ironic or just like an accident of history or like a function of history. But like a lot of these other countries were just like, I mean, they went through many wars and difficulties that like mm-hmm. the United States proper just they didn't have to go through. So in a lot of ways, America is just like a victim of its own success right now. They just they didn't have that sort of like etch sketch like shakeup that allowed like for new creative white space to form so that like more rational, more modernized regulation could form on top of it. Like like in Asia, I suppose it's right? a natural cycle. I suppose for sure, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Interesting. I just, I find it just, it's kind of too bad, right? Because yeah, yeah. to me, it should be the hub of innovation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Well, I don't want to end on a downer. So <laughs> let's wrap up with, you know, what are you excited about in the next little while here? What are you looking forward to? Um, All things metaverse, to be honest. Okay. Uh, like Together with Rizzle, we mm-hmm. have like a metaverse meetup that we created called the WIP Meetup. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in the end of December, it'll be two years old. We're like every Thursday, 12 p.m. Pacific, we'll jump into CryptoVoxels and Discord and bring like a thousand <laughs> crazy weird avatars in with us, uh, <laughs> talking to cool guests and stuff like that. But through that meetup, like one of the aspects of the metaverse that I'm most excited about is this community gaming community like virtual community gaming mm-hmm. um and project like the sandbox and everything that is being designed in world and all the projects uh creators and like weird people weird fun people that are <laughs> starting to do stuff over there that has me the most excited uh, heading into next year uh having that be unveiled allowing the public to jump in and realize that you can have these memorable experiences together with folks located all over the world uh, participate and play these games and like win like nfts and crypto right. and like actually take these winnings and like do more with them like and start like a new life yeah, in this yeah, yeah. digital space play to earn i guess you could call it right yeah or like earn to live yeah. basically yeah. yeah um 
I'm really excited for people to have those first seminal experiences because um, it is really quite profound. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing because it's right there for people mm-hmm. just pretty much have a browser, jump into one of these situations. And it's as profound as like putting on a headset. And yep. then it's just off to the races from there when the imagination is sparked and they dive down that rabbit hole that we're already well deep into. Yeah, that's cool. Well, hey, it's been a real pleasure chatting with you. I really appreciate it. And I will have to bug you more about that concept. Oh, bug away, man. The, the, the artists, <laughs> the, uh, the figures in the crypto space and doing something with that. I think that'd be cool. Yeah. Dude, I, I'm, I'm, I've been waiting for you to bring that up so we can get that into Verified Collection on Nifty. Not going to lie. Okay, well, let's let's get there. To we it. go. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Right on. Okay, well, hey, thanks a lot, and we'll stay in touch. I wish you all the best with everything going on, and uh, yeah, take care. Cool. Thank you so much, Dan. Right on. Thanks again for listening to the Non Fungible Podcast. See you again soon.